0: Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. We are doing a special Roswell Christmas Carol episode today, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, Meg is being an extremely good sport because she still has COVID. Since we recorded
1: last yesterday, yes, I still have COVID <laughs> since yesterday. <laughs> Emily and I are trying to do a... We're trying to rebuild the stock of episodes we have. So it just so happens that you guys are going to get like five Roswell COVID episodes in a row. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) You're going to sound like you've been sick for months. People are going to think you have long COVID.
1: I'm already feeling better than I... Well, listen, nose, lungs, respiratory system, that all feels... So much better. But you guys, I've had some very serious other symptoms that are oh, just no. bad.
0: Like, what? Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that out if you want. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Constant
1: for three days.
0: Oh, Maggie.
1: I know. It's not great.
0: Are you drinking enough? Please say I know, right? I'm like,
1: I can't believe dysentery is what's going to get me.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing to make fun of you. I'm laughing because like it's either that or cry. And I, yeah. Yeah. But um, if you are brand new to the podcast, welcome. (laughs) We don't usually cover topics like this. (laughs) Uh, my Sister Made Me View It is a group of podcasts where we, as sisters, uh, there's something that one of us has loved reading, watching, whatever, for years and years and years, but the other sister has completely refused to watch it, view it, have anything to do with it. So this is my pick. This is the Roswell, the 1999 version that I grew up at least I grew up on season two and I loved it and I'm making Megan watch the entirety of it and I think we're having a good time.
1: Yeah, so Currently. if you're new to the if you're new to the podcast, don't start here. Go to the beginning. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh but
0: uh, you know, I really should be working on my book.
1: I should be sleeping off the dysentery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but instead, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. And I, for one, can't wait to get into it. So uh, this is Roswell, season two, episode 10 of Roswell Christmas Carol. And overall, I really enjoyed this episode, but I also have some mixed feelings about it. Uh, Meg, what did you think about it? <laughs>
1: Tonally, very weird. There yeah. was there was an actual ghost, and I was confident through almost the entire episode that this ghost was a trick somehow by some sort of menacing alien. But no, it was straight up just a normal ghost of a guy who was haunting Max, who's a dick.
0: <laughs> you can't say that. On our it's a, terrible it's a terrible person. A terrible person. But we'll get into that so we we come upon the christmas season in roswell with max trying to pick out the perfect christmas tree and him trying to pick out this tree it's not because he has all of these stipulations he is not the one that's looking for the perfect height the perfect you know foliage the perfect density whatever Apparently he's been sent here by Isabel, who is very particular. She has given him a diagram with color swatches and needle, you know, examples of like what kind of tree she wants. And apparently this is something that is not new for Isabel. She is known by her friends and family as the Christmas Nazi. Which, it's not a nickname that she chose, but uh, we will find out that she definitely earns that title throughout this episode.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting, I like to bring up that that's not a word that we throw around lightly today in the 2010s. like But in the 90s, you used to use it anytime someone was really particular or stern about something. Uh, those of you who watch Grey's Anatomy... Uh, Another show in which Isabel stars as Isabel, who loves Christmas, Um, they actually had a, a character who was there's a character at the beginning of Grey's Anatomy who's commonly referred to as the Nazi. And they did like several different episodes over the course of its 18 year run where they like, you know, as times change and how word usage changes, we don't use that as a joke anymore. Because words have meaning, and that one has a bad one. So Emily and I are not going to refer to Isabel that way throughout this episode, but if you end up watching the original 1999 episode, that word's in there a bunch. The reason we don't use it in today's time is because Nazis are back, and they're bad. Apparently they were always here, but now they're not jokes anymore. Uh, And as they are doing some Christmas tree deliberation, a horrible accident occurs, and Emily... What did you say was the cause of this horrible traffic accident? Oh, yeah. So there's
0: multiple cars that are slipping and sliding, and it's because there's someone in Roswell that keeps putting water down on the road so it shows up on camera. So it's
1: <laughs> reflective on camera. But there's a dad and his little daughter, and it's so funny, you guys, when the when this episode opens, it sees the dad and his little daughter like looking at Christmas trees. And I actually said, Oh no, this is how this is how a murder tv show starts Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is how a murder christmas episode starts and i was like that's (laughs) silly no one's gonna find a dead body in the christmas tree lot and then the dad got hit by a car and killed (laughs) i felt so bad after after saving his daughter yes he picks up his five-year-old child and just throws her and fictional fathers i have a word of advice okay Rost, this is for you. This is for any fictional father who thinks throwing their child. Father in Raya and the Last Dragon, this is for you. If you're <laughs> already running towards your child to throw them, just pick them up and keep running. You can save yourself, yeah, or too. Keep running,
0: grab them as you go by, and use momentum to pull them along.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. Um, all I'm saying is, Rust could have rolled off that mountain. The dad could have jumped off the bridge in Raya. And this father threw his five-year-old to the wind and then just stood there for two cars to hit him. Anyway, Max Evans thinks this is his fault.
0: (laughs) Because he's standing around. And it's because he's a good person, Megan. He wants to help people. But there's too many witnesses. There's no way that he can save this man like he saved Liz
1: yeah so the father doesn't die on impact he's still breathing by the time we cut to uh the roll credits there was no previously on this episode we just went straight into it it's a long episode it was a long episode uh so there was time before the roll credits where the guy was still alive and so we're dealing with michael's chris max's christmas guilt because it's spoilers for why it's called a christmas carol the ghost of this father follows max around throughout the episode in like a creepy sinister way torments him
0: yeah like berates him for not saving him
1: like why isn't he haunting the guy who drove the car that killed him right which yeah like go ahead makes me wonder was this real or was this in max's head oh interesting Because he references the time he he
0: was... Sorry, you go. Oh, I was... No, I think we were about to say the same thing, Um, because at one point he talks about the reason he didn't do it was because he's just like, for my abilities, I've been hunted and kidnapped and tortured. He goes, I didn't do it because I was selfish. And I was like, this is a terrible, terrible train of thought, because... I mean, you, okay, listen, as horrible as this is going to sound, you cannot save everyone. If you take that upon yourself, you're going to burn out. You're not going to be able to do a good job. You're just going to, like, be exhausted all the time. Like, no one is set up to save everyone. We do what we can where we can. But the idea that this truly was an accident. I mean, I think they were trying to make it look like, The roads were slippery or something. Like this truly was unavoidable. Just a bad thing that happened. Mm -hmm. But Max has taken it upon himself and truly believes that he should have done something. And like there's so many extenuating circumstances that like literally he could not do anything in in the moment. Yeah. Also my dog is... Smack up against me and any snoring you hear, I apologize. It's him. I'm not making him move. Apologies.
1: Okay. Ugh. I. Two of my cats were snuggled with me and then I had to leave to go get my microphone and then they both left. Now I'm sad. Oh dear. My life is so hard.
0: Yeah, while Max is hallucinating this ghost. Uh, We're getting bits and pieces of everyone else's like Christmas stories like Michael is stressing out because Maria has put this huge amount of pressure on the perfect Christmas gift and he has no idea and so he's like well, I'm gonna go to the hardware store uh, and people are like don't go to the hardware store. You guys
1: I I am so mad about this storyline and I'm gonna be heated all the way through and I want you guys to know officially Michael is too good for Maria. And if she is not willing to meet him where he is and if she's not willing to be like considerate and understanding of the fact that he's an emancipated minor with no guardian and he's never been in a relationship like she's setting the bar way too high. She's putting too much stress on this. He asks her for an extension. He's like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can I give it to you on a different day? And she says, yeah, of course. And only after he's relieved about it, visibly relieved, she's like, no, you have to give it to me on Christmas Day. I'm like, dump her. She's heartless, Emily. It's yeah. it's not fair. It's not fair to either of them to, for them to still be in this relationship. So there you go, guys. I am officially anti Michael and Maria. All right. Um, I have complex
0: feelings about them. I also want to give her a little slack. She's 17 years old. So is she he! She has a lot to figure out still. She, he no- is... Listen, listen, I said complicated feelings, okay? She is mostly in the wrong. She's like 98% in the wrong. But I do want to give her a little bit of slack of just like, teenagers do dumb things who have never been in like serious relationships before. They just don't know. And I wish he would have... I wish someone would have called her on it. I wish she would have understood by the end of this episode like i wish i would have seen that growth arc a little bit but it was hard to see her just like barrel through this whole episode she's not selfish in this episode we we see yes, we're going to talk about some instances
1: what about her like wanting to take care of brody and sydney yeah okay 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 that i also thought was an incredibly selfish scene Because she's like, the only way that I can help these two people is if Brody marries me and I become this little girl's mom. I just, like, I know that that it was supposed to feel like a moment of goodness and not, it's a different word for charity, givingness, altruism. There we go. It was supposed to feel like Mm -hmm. a moment of altruism, but it just feels like so self-centered in the way that she wants to help them. You guys, and this might be painting it, I was livid at Maria this entire episode. And there was a moment, there was a moment near the end where they almost called me back around on her. And then I got even more furious. So I'm steamed about this. Hmm. Steamed, so, I tell you. this has you. <laughs> been an episode
0: that I've kind of been waiting for just because that same thing happened to me. Uh-huh. In that... When I was in college, the college paper went out and it was this huge article about this recently widowed student who had like one or two young kids. And I remember reading the article and sitting there crying because I'm just like, he is alone. Where is he? I have to find him and I have to become his friend and I, we have to get married so I can go take care of him and take care of his kids. And, like, that was, like, something that I felt very strongly about for several weeks. I mean, I, I realized, you know, almost immediately, like, well, that's not, like, a great reason to start a relationship because you, you know, feel bad for somebody or whatever. But I feel for Maria in this where, like, you want to help, and this is the only way she knows how to help in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it it really would not be helpful at the time. Like, yeah. I, I I also think, like, I feel so bad about this situation what can I do to make myself feel better instead of like I'm going to permanently insert myself into this person's life whether they want it or not because it will make me feel better about the situation
1: uh and I think Liz gives her some really sound advice excellent advice
0: excellent advice yeah are you going to tell what the advice is? We're going to wait till we get no, to No,
1: we are actually going to do things slightly in a row. And I'll, yeah, audience who doesn't know, after Maria gives Michael her very stringent demands for a Christmas presents, she goes over to talk to our buddy Brody. And Brody is like, I'm going to be gone for a few days leading up to Christmas. You don't have to bring my You don't have to bring my lunch around. And I'm still thinking alien hijinks. I thought Brody was going to get possessed again. And that's what this is going to be. A little bit later on in the episode when Maria is part of a group of carolers going around helping family, like singing to families in need or families who are having a hard Christmas, we find out that Brody has a five-year-old daughter that he has um, split custody of. And he gets her for the week of Christmas. And this daughter has advanced bone marrow cancer, which is the exact type of cancer that Brody had before the aliens healed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um like
0: it's a really sad Yeah. Uh what's the word I'm looking for? Not coincidence, but it's cruel irony? I don't know. It's it's just sad, okay? It's just it's sad.
1: It's a cruel irony, Kronk. Like my dependence on you. Um, And then the third main storyline of this episode is Tess wants Christmas. Mm -hmm. And she is stuck with these two dudes who do not care about the holidays. They only care about the football. And there's this pretty funny scene where... Tess is sitting in front of the TV talking to them and they're trying to lean around her to watch the game. And she, you know, kind of an outsider in the human's world, doesn't realize that's what's happening. So she starts mirroring her lean to follow them, <laughs> thinking that they're all doing yeah. <laughs> something together. So Megan,
0: here's here's my question for you. Uh-huh. Do you think that Tess and Nisato ever celebrated Christmas?
1: Um, I actually don't. I, think I don't one of either. The reasons, yeah, I think one of the reasons why she is so excited is she's like, "Oh, I've seen Christmas stuff growing up," but Necedo is like, "That's for the God of the humans, not us." Listen, I was very stunned that so many of these kids are good Christian aliens, <laughs> 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 celebrate Christmas.
0: Yeah, because she really does throughout her throughout her storyline. She goes. All out. Like she's talking to the sheriff and she's talking to Kyle about, oh, well, is there going to be, a, you know, she doesn't straight out ask if there's going to be a tree. She's like, oh, I guess you guys don't really care about that. They're like, oh, we have a tree, but it's plastic and it's in the garage and we've actually not used it for the last few years. And she's like, oh, and Christmas dinner. And they're like, oh, yeah, we always go to the crash down. It's like eight bucks for like all you can eat turkey. And so all of these traditional things that, I think Tess has always wanted to try. This feels like something that she has always wanted to try, but has never had the opportunity to do. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: she executes everything flawlessly. Like, you know that she has put so much effort into it. It's not like a last minute, oh, it would be cool to do this. It was like, she has put so much effort and so much thought into it. But I'm going to be salty about this for a brief second. A brief second, because it all turns out okay in the end with this storyline. I feel,
1: uh-huh.
0: and that growing up in a family that we grew up in, and Megan, you need to stop me if I'm saying things out of turn. Okay, but going to family events, the ladies always did everything. That is true, and I'm trying to be kind about this because it wasn't done in a malicious way. That was just the roles that everyone had grown up with.
1: The men would do manly things like make the root beer or the turkey. Yes,
0: yes. Um, And and this was both sides of the family. We're not calling out one side or the other. It was the women were in the kitchen, the dudes were doing something else. Which is fine, you know. But I, I got a little frustrated because... It felt like the sheriff and Kyle were so oblivious to everything that was going on. And in this episode, Tess completely goes out of her way to make sure everyone has what they want. She invites Amy DeLuca to dinner under the pretense that Jim has invited her. So that
1: Jim, Jim and Amy
0: can have some time together.
1: I didn't realize you she... first name basis with the sheriff. What? I didn't even know his name was Jim. Oh, his first name is Sheriff. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. She
0: also brings a dish to the table and Kyle is just like, is that this dish or whatever? And she goes, yeah, with bacon on the bottom, your favorite. And Kyle's face does this amazing journey where all of a sudden it clicks how much work she has done for them. And I was so pleased with this scene because like Kyle gets it I just I loved it Kyle is the best Kyle's wonderful Kyle totally gets it because you know like at one point Tess is trying to set the table and have everything done and she's been cooking for hours and hours and hours and the guys are just not paying attention to what she's doing and she's like, please go get an extra chair. And it's revealed that there are really only two chairs in the entire house. And she kind of has a fit about it, about like, I live here, I deserve a chair, you know? And so the scene with Tess and Kyle, once Kyle realizes this is like Tess's gift to them and everything she's done for them, I'm just so glad that he was so grateful for that. Okay. And so, yeah.
1: I think this storyline is the perfect opposite to the Michael and Maria storyline because mm-hmm. he he understood that what what she was giving was a gift and he recognized that like maybe the best thing he could do for her is to like return in kind. Mhm. Anyway, I really love Kyle and I think this episode was a great chance. It was it was again Kyle's time to shine. Um Yeah. I will say, uh, while you were thinking about what it was like in our family around the holidays, I was thinking about how we also have a plastic tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a All right, children, gather around.
1: Beautiful round. plastic tree. <laughs> All right, children, gather around. I'm about to tell you a story about me being sick during Christmas. And it is inspired by me being sick during this podcast. So, (laughs) uh, I have a September birthday. It's coming up very soon. Uh, We have Emily. Did we commemorate your birthday on the podcast? I don't think we did. But it was my birthday. Wish Emily a belated birthday. Hers is at the beginning of September. Mine is at the end. Um, I'm a Libra, though, which makes me cooler. It's literally one of the
0: best birthdays I've had. Like, you everyone was so nice and so kind and so sweet to me and i felt so loved and so appreciated so thank you to everyone who was involved Mm -hmm. with that i really appreciated it now can i make
1: fun of you a little bit i guess guys guess what restaurant she chose for her birthday we're like you could choose anywhere you can go anywhere you want to go for your birthday (laughs) and she's like it was my birthday i got to (laughs) I want to go to the cafe that's inside Nordstrom's at the mall. Because I love it. It's not because I'm just like, eh, ever. I have
0: so many good memories of that cafe. Megan, <laughs> that's mean.
1: I told you I was making fun of you. Why? <laughs> Sorry.
0: Why? I just talked about how wonderful my birthday was <laughs> and how you're shaming me into my choice that I, you know how hard of a
1: time I have about picking things for myself. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Because listeners, I had never heard, I had never, I had never heard of this food place before.
0: And the I was Nordstrom's
1: very. The Nordstrom's Cafe. Yeah. And in fact, Emily, it wasn't just that I did not even know where we were going to eat. Mikkel okay. was like, just meet us at the, the, what what mall was it? Murray Mall? Salt Lake Mall? Fashion place. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mikkel's like, just meet us at the mall. And I'm like, oh, it's a restaurant in the mall? And then she's like, come inside Nordstrom's. And I'm like, oh, I guess that they're just looking at stuff before we go to eat. And I, at this point, I have no idea where we're going to eat. And then we're going upstairs. And I'm like, so... Uh, where are we going and Emily? you're like the Nordstrom Cafe and I'm like the the what? I didn't know I it was can't a restaurant I believe that you made fun of me on our podcast where my whole bit is making fun of you <laughs> sorry i'm I'm the grinch of the podcast. remember <laughs> I'm Mr. White Christmas. <laughs> I'm high on crap. <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway, Christmas. September birthdays. Let's focus. So my birthday's at the end of September. Megan's birthday. <laughs> by the time that Christmas hits, um I my very first Christmas, I'm about three months old and I get super ill. Just hacking and coughing and just so sick. And at this point our family lives hacking in Utah. And coughing and <laughs> sneezing. And sniffling. Yep. My mom takes us to our, our Utah pediatrician and I uh, can't find anything. But you know what? I'm only sick for a few weeks and then New Year's rolls around and I, I start feeling better again. We just assume, you know what? It's just a cold or the flu or something. It's winter in Utah. It happens. But then a year later, around the same time, I get sick again and I'm just over a year old at this point. Same sort of very seriously ill and... A couple months later our family moved down to Louisiana and you know, this the second Christmas where I'm sick, it also came and went again. And this Christmas we're in Louisiana and I'm just over two years old, and I get so seriously ill that I feel like one of the three times it turned into pneumonia. I don't remember which one though. I mean I don't remember any of this to be clear. Familiar to me, yeah, yeah. as the oldest. Um And my mom takes us to our new pediatrician down in Louisiana and started telling him about my history. And then I started getting ill around kind of the same time every year. And the pediatrician just goes, have you considered she's allergic to your Christmas tree? And it turns out I, as a child, I had a respiratory-based allergy to conifers. (laughs) So we got a fake tree, and we've had a fake tree my whole life, and I honestly love it. Uh, it's so much cleaner than a normal tree. It doesn't, like, drop needles everywhere. I did grow out of this allergy, and I remember a few, I say a few, probably 10 years ago when I'm in junior high or high school. Okay, so 15, 20, I don't know. Time never stops. <laughs> the carousel never stops turning. I'm in my 30s now, so at some point when I was in junior high, high school, my big sisters were like, it's so stupid that we've never had a real Christmas tree because of Megan. <laughs> <laughs> we should get a real tree at least once. So we had a beautiful, fancy, showstopper, gorgeous real tree in the front room that could be seen out of our front window. And that then we, we went the- and cut down in the mountains ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And then we had the cool kids tree with the awesome ornaments and the colorful lights on it. And yeah, I when I finally do buy my own Christmas tree, I'm gonna buy an artificial 100%. And you know what? Oh, if hey, Isabel Megan? had done that oh. she if Isabel had done that, she wouldn't have had to freak out about assigning someone else buying the Christmas tree every year. So there's that. Megan, I want to know where the hell you would want me to go for Ooh. my own birthday dinner <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm sorry I made fun of you about Nordstrom Cafe. It was unexpected of me to discover that a clothing store had such a fine establishment inside of it. And I liked it, which is why we went. You could go wherever the hell you want for your birthday. I was, you know, I was thinking... <laughs> the way you but You could have gone anywhere, but
0: you, you went to a cafe. I mean, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Where did you want me to go? I can't I'm, go to Tucano's because I'm quarantining with you because you hey, have COVID. Hey, I told and you I'd birthday for that.
1: At Tucano's. Yeah, my ideal birthday dinner is not all-you-can-eat meat place. Um, Which, you're here this year. If you hadn't got COVID, we could have gone. No, because you and Mikael got to go. Not yet. Well, hey, okay. I know. Listen. <laughs> I, I did warn you i was gonna make a little fun of you that's true i should have i should have braced myself more heartily i didn't realize it was such a tender subject
0: i didn't either i just got
1: really offended
0: (laughs) i'm gonna take you there over and over and over again until you grow to appreciate it
1: i did appreciate it it was good food I said it was good. I was surprised at the quality. I never suspected such a hidden gem.
0: (laughs) Let that be a lesson to you. Your older sister has some taste.
1: Just not in television shows about aliens. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Listen, I deserve that 100%. But yeah, what were we even talking about? Do you remember
1: the 21st of
0: September? September. That's what it is right now. (laughs) Yep.
1: We were talking about artificial Christmas trees and Mm -hmm. um, we've established to our audience our three main side stories. And so Mm -hmm. next up is most of our side stories go to consult with Liz about what morally should be done. (laughs) Okay. I was convinced that there was alien whammy going on in this episode because the way that Max got so intent about I have to make up for hurting this man's family. I felt that in Maria's like, I have to protect this little girl and her family. And so I'm like, is there some kind of christmas spirit evil magic going around that is like convincing people they have to give up their entire selves and lives to help other people and it's going to turn out to be some sort of wish situation or an actual angel and so i was i was very surprised at how little sinister alien stuff mattered in this episode um because you know the fact that Brody has been abducted by aliens and they cured him of his cancer never came up. Uh, and the fact that last Christmas, Max raised Liz's grandmother from the dead was also <laughs> never mentioned. <laughs> it was, listen,
0: it wasn't a Christmas episode last year. We just called it Grandma Got Run Over by oh. a Reindeer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because, Amazing. okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you remember when Max gives a couple episodes ago, Max gives Liz returns a gift? Was that a Christmas gift? Was the knife that said, yeah, like, the Max knife? and Liz? So
1: I guess we never saw yeah. Christmas.
0: Yeah. So I, anyways, anyways, yeah. But yeah, I was, I was a little confused at the tone of this episode as well because, like, Max goes do he's like he's i think he might be behind a tree actually (laughs) as he's watching these carolers carol to the family who lost the dad no
1: you mean like figuratively behind a tree or max is the little boy
0: behind a tree (laughs) i think both i think he's literally standing behind a tree like watching from a distance but i could be wrong but um the dad comes up and he's like like the ghost and he's like what are you doing here and Max is like, I just want to make sure they're okay. And he's like, They'll never be okay, Max. Like, he rips into this. And again, I find this completely unfair because it was a complete and total accident. Like, it was an accident. And yeah. it's not
1: like Max. And it had wasn't anything even Max's, Max's fault. Yeah.
0: <coughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I was I was a little weirded out. And and yeah, I wish there had been a better explanation than it's a ghost. It's a mean mean ghost. Because, okay, this is interesting and this is completely way too far off topic. I am reaching for straws, that sort of thing. But we have Dick Ghost here who's terrible and mean and awful. But everyone in town is singing his praises for, you know, jumping in front of his little girl and saving his little girl. And there's got to be a message there somewhere about who you are versus what people think you are. Again, I'm reaching for straws, but we've got the aliens who are like people think they're one thing, but in reality they're something else.
1: So, are you saying that like yeah, this father sacrifices his life for his little girl, but he was a real about it? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: Okay, so, but like he's he's like taunting Max like cuz we you had mentioned that Max goes to Liz because they're friends again. Thank goodness. Um, Max goes to Liz to get some advice and tells her like I'm actually seeing this guy and the guy's taunting Max and like pretends to fall
1: off they're up pretends on Liz's balcony like it's the, the roof of the building
0: yeah and it's, and it's dark. just it is really really dark because he's just like hovering behind Max the whole time and just like whispering in his ear I do not like it and yeah. the thing is like the thing is I mean we we kind of said this already but this I am so upset about the situation because the the ghost is just like you didn't think about me at all and I'm like no he doesn't even know you max has no obligation he had no obligation to do that just because you're able to do something doesn't mean you have to do it like he yep. has a very real reason. I mean, he got kidnapped and tortured because he's an alien. And they finally were able to destroy all of the documents, you know, so that the no one knows they're there. Like, they're finally, finally safe. And all of a sudden, this guy just expects Max to throw that all away to save him. Like, mm-hmm. the guy's dead, okay? He's dead.
1: Yeah. And I also... I also thought that it 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 feels like this should somehow be connected to the pressure that Max feels to be a king responsible for saving millions. Ooh, oh, I like that. Uh-huh. But it wasn't connected to that. It was about, like, just, like, this one guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, a really mean guy. <laughs> yeah. And then also... Again, I thought that this was a trick by Nicholas, a trick-a-less, if you will. Because I'm like, <laughs> it's a Christmas episode. The villain's name is Nicholas. How can they not make a joke about that at all? Megan was so
0: upset because she said, "Okay, this is my guess." And she ba- you basically said all that and you said, "And there's going to be a Saint Nick pun at the end." And I'm really sad there
1: wasn't, because that would have been hilarious. I also thought that, basically, and if you're like, Megan, why would Nicholas be giving Max these hallucinations? I was thinking that Nicholas was trying to find a way to access the granolith. Mm -hmm. And that he would be tricking Max to be like, oh, if you really want to help my family, you'll bring me back to life. And so the, uh... (laughs) If you, really help, if you really want to help my family, you will bring me back to life. And it's been like, no, he's been dead too long. Oh, we need the power of the granulists to do something like that. Uh, but nope, none of that. How come I didn't get to write for this show? I mean, I know I was eight. You, you were eight years old and,
0: and we were living in a house with a plastic Christmas
1: tree. <laughs> I was writing some pretty good Power Rangers fan fiction at the time. I think I could have hacked it. <laughs> So, so in order to assuage his guilt, Max decides eventually that he is going to use and you know what um this sorry I I skipped I'm I'm skipping all around this episode I'm not playing it as we're okay. as we're talking about it but um Maria and Liz have this conversation by a fire in town and. And this is when Maria is talking about just how badly she wants to help them. And she's like, I'm going to marry him. I mean, my mom got married at 17. And Liz has got to be like, you're 17. And he's not. We do not know how old Brody is. But, like, (laughs) old enough to have a five-year-old daughter. So, old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the
0: cryptkeeper.
1: <laughs> Where is Isabel's geologist? Where did the geologist go? We perhaps will never know. I hope he comes back and is an alien. Anyway. <laughs> Grant
0: Sorensen. I can't believe you forgot his name. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to call
1: him the geologist and you're just going to okay. have to deal with it. So as Maria and Liz are talking, they're by this big roasting fire. And Emily, do you know what it reminded me of? what have you ever been to evermore
0: park you and i went one time okay and i didn't get it okay okay
1: let me explain it to you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> reason why it reminded me is i went during a christmas time and they had to Mm -hmm. shut the park down because one of the buildings caught a little bit on fire (gasps) no i thought was the night i was there (laughs) oh okay yeah yeah uh so evermore park is a definitely trying its best live action role play experience in utah county it was initially billed as like the Disneyland of Utah, when they first announced it, that it was going to have rides and character actors and expansive and huge and like stepping into a brand new fantasy world, and what we got was not quite that. Um, so imagine like a a fantasy town square, like like the little village that Belle lives in, where we have. You know, facades of different buildings. Some of them you can go into. Some of them are just for show. Um, and then you have characters in costume that are permanent residents of this world called evermore and the idea is that the the overarching story is that there's a number of portals to different realities that let people come and explore evermore which is how people from earth can visit is like the big gate that you go in is supposedly a magic portal even though there's nothing remotely portable looking around See, it.
0: okay that's where i got lost is from the get-go because you just walk through literally a door there's no lights around the door there's nothing like if it's
1: all about presentation. Like there's no here you will and exit the world of today and enter the world of tomorrow and fantasy, and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. They they needed just a little something to help you, at least me. I'm I'm not great or good at LARPing or very comfortable with that either. Like I don't think it's weird or anything. I'm just literally not good at it. And so I just wish there had been like a literal like sparkly portal you could have walked through with like Mm-hmm. lights, you know, I think that would have helped me get in the get in the spirit of things. So
1: yeah. I will say if you don't have someone explaining it to you, it is not very intuitive for first time visitors to figure out what's going on. Um uh, yeah. because not only that, there is a season long story. They have three seasons of the year. They have summer, fall, and winter. Um and they have names. I'm pretty sure summer is mythos. Yeah, whatever. There's a season-long story where all of the uh, inhabitants of Evermore are participants in this story. And the hopeful idea is that every single night, you will experience a piece of this bigger story. So there are people who go every night, all season, and it's like they... You you get to see this mystery unfold. So like the the year that I went over Halloween... There was a good king who had been infected with something and he was slowly turning into a monster. And so during the day, you could see the king and he had like a little bit of this infection, you know, makeup done up and around him. And then at night, there was this really tall, beautiful animatronic slash puppet performer of the possessed king that you could go speak to. It's not clear to, and I'm saying newcomers. So I if there are some of you listening who are ever more regulars and are on the fan messaging sites and you guys like keep careful track I know that you guys know what's going on and everyone really enjoys it but for first time visitors to the park it's hard to know how to talk to the characters it's hard to like ask questions that let you know story stuff um like because certain characters will have certain pieces of the story but you have to ask them specific questions to get it um Mm -hmm. Some parts of Evermore that are really fun is the very interactive stuff. Like you can you can do quests for the different guilds and you can join a guild at the end of the night. They had one guy there and, and someone was explaining that
0: they had gone like once a few months beforehand and met him. And he remembered their name and remembered who they were. And like that was his gimmick is this dude had like one of the most perfect memories Ever
1: and he could remember visitors. Let me tell you my ever more embarrassing story. So I didn't know you had to do quests to join a guild. So the big event happened at the end of our night, which is where the undead came to fight in Evermore. And and some dude was like, everyone who's with the such and such guild. Come with me. And I'm like, okay, I'm in this guild now. And I start walking with them and he stops me and says, Madam, I've <laughs> never seen you before in my life. <laughs> he kicked me out and made me go stand somewhere else. And I was Can like, I don't eaten know what's by the going on. <laughs> But anyway, the fire that Maria and Liz are sitting in front of made me think of ever were. <laughs> Which was fun the like two or three times that I've gone. I just, I wish their narrative designer had found a way to make the park more accessible to first time guests and Mm -hmm. therefore more attractive to first time guests because it is a big ask to get someone to go to something if they don't understand the rules or what's going on or how to do it. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, Roswell. (laughs)
0: Roswell. Back to Roswell. So the ghost has really, you know, guilted Max into needing to find a balance. And he gets, Max gets the idea that if he can go and heal Brody's daughter, Sydney, from cancer, then this ghost is going to leave him alone. The problem is that's going to put a huge target on everybody's backs, With the silver handprint. Like everyone is so freaked out. I say everyone. The aliens are so freaked out about it. They're having this group meeting in Michael's apartment. And I mean Max is so desperate at this point. I don't feel like he's been in a position like this before. What haunted by a ghost? Yeah I mean that. Yeah, But I feel that Max is a very emotionally driven character. And that this has like dialed everything up for him to like. 17 you know like after what well it's like out of 10 but it's like way higher okay Okay. man you make fun of my eating choices you make fun of the way that i
1: i measure things i wanted to know if up to 17 was like a reference to something oh no no i wish it was
0: that cool but no but the thing is isabel is on his side Basically saying, if this is important to you, I'm going to support you. And Tess does the same thing. But Michael is the one who is trying to be the voice of reason. And he's like, I'm already outvoted. But he gives his opinion anyway about how much of a bad idea this is. And it is a bad idea. Mm
1: -hmm. Because they go, they break into Brody's house. They break into the house of a millionaire. And I'm like... He's going to have security, but no, he's not. Or maybe he he did, but he didn't bother setting on the alarm because the ghost of the dad is in there informing Max. And, Emily, this is why I think it's a real ghost and not part of Max's mind, is the ghost knows things that Max does not and has information that Max does not. So anyway, the ghost informs him that they have had to rush Sydney to a hospital in Phoenix, Yeah, because she had a relapse. Yes, and yes. Um, Max, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, nothing, just the, I think Emily would appreciate the sheer willpower it took me to not make as many jokes about Sydney as I did. (laughs)
0: Thank you. I feel like, yeah, as a sick kid, she's
1: off limits, Megan. (laughs) I know, but it was just like, Brody's literally never mentioned her before and they you know they they brought that up in the in the episode but i mean like he's never brought her up before and just all of a sudden isn't it so handy that this character we're attached to has a little sick child okay i see where you're coming from but like
0: who is he going to talk to he's not like real friends with any of our main characters I mean he's Max's and he boss and he's
1: flirting with Maria so he doesn't he's want to tell her he's Maria. got a daughter <laughs> yeah it's not something you tell a teenager
0: about like yeah I have a kid I yeah, the teenager I get you're where flirting you're with. from but it's I, I also don't see I don't think that it's weird that he's never mentioned this to anyone
1: before okay I think this daughter did not exist before this episode <laughs> <laughs> Because if she had, then I think Brody's obsession with finding aliens because they cured him from cancer is because mm-hmm. he wants to find them again to help. Her. oh see i love that and i think that, that would, that would a have great come up. character thing yeah thank you but instead he's just like oh i'm just looking for aliens because they possess me and i don't know why so anyway i'm yeah. suspicious of anyone who's trying to tug on my heartstrings with little sick characters out of nowhere <laughs> god bless us everyone <laughs> <laughs> So Max and Michael actually go to Sydney. And Emily, can you tell me about their
0: doctor disguises? They have excellent doctor disguises. They look like real doctors. What did do they do with their hair? Well, they have on scrubs, and then they have gelled
1: their hair, greaser style, straight back. Just slicked like, it back. They're like, "What makes us look like not teenagers? I know, slick that hair." But Max goes into the pediatrician
0: oncology ward. And I thought at first that he was not able to heal Sydney because it's like really difficult for him. Mm -hmm. And I thought he had failed, actually. I was a little confused that I thought he'd failed. But um, turns out he like looks around at everybody, all these kids, sick kids lying in the hospital. And he goes and heals each of them. And it really takes a toll on him like he collapses like sweaty that sort of thing yeah michael's keeping watch because this isn't something michael can assist with and so it's just up to max and (laughs) michael has to like come in and like lock the door because everyone outside of there is getting suspicious of like why michael is just standing outside the door he could have been a lot cooler about this but um i'll give him a pass because he's 17 but he, like, comes in and uses his alien powers to lock the door and, like, tapes a kid's picture over the window so no one can see in and see what's happening. But Max goes around healing all the kids and actually drains his powers for a bit. Like, he loses yeah. his powers for a little bit.
1: But he heals all of them. And Yeah, he heals all of the kids there. And um, it's it's a Christmas miracle, but gets mm-hmm. a lot of publicity and coverage. Because all the kids ended up with a silver handprint. Yeah. And there's a lady on the news, and it was a little creepy. The lady on the news saying, like, how could you not believe in the hand of God? And I'm like, oh, we're going to start a weird new religion over this. (laughs)
0: Listen, though, I 100% believe if... The FBI weren't involved if if that wasn't a thing, if that wasn't something they had to worry about, about being kidnapped and taken off and tortured. And people found out that, like, these aliens could heal and would leave silver handprints. Of course, there would 100% be a weird, creepy cult that followed them around.
1: Emily, when are we going to watch Mob Psycho 100? No reason. I, we have, Megan, you know this. I tried you to get you to it? do one to watch this week, and you said no. You have COVID. That doesn't stop me from reading books!
0: <laughs> Is there weird, creepy uh, handprint cults in Mob Psycho? There may be a cult or two.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: I look forward to it.
1: You've met one
0: of them. I Yeah, the smiley guy. Yeah, the smiley guys. Okay, anyway. So they get Max back to, you know, Michael gets Max back to Roswell. Good job, Michael. We, we appreciate you. And... He and Maria are getting ready to exchange gifts. And Megan, I know that you didn't like this. I'm so- I sorry.
1: was I'm about sorry. to blast through the ceiling because... Everyone's been harping on Michael this whole episode that he doesn't know anything about gift buying and everything he does is so unromantic and everything he does is so thoughtless and, and someone's like, Chino, just do something that's really thoughtful, that's about your relationship together and something she would never get for herself and that's how you get the perfect gift. So he has found her a secondhand he bumper for her jet. did it. Yeah. And he's chromed it up. It's beautiful. It's shiny and... Maria and finds it. What which, what, is his, what is his reasoning for getting that? Because they wrecked her Jetta, and her own bumper has been hanging by a thread for, like, the whole last year. Mm-hmm. So it was a thoughtful gift, a practical gift. It was in the price range that she set for their gift. Not only did she demand he get a gift, she gave him a very low price range and then said, I'll be mad if you leave it. It's just all yeah. very controlling and nothing but red flags. And Emily, a couple times this episode, you've been like, I'm going to give it to them. They're 17. No, they're protagonists. They know better than this. <laughs> anyway, she Listen, sees, I'm not
0: going to argue with you on that one. I'm not.
1: She sees the bumper and is like, is that a bumper? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, for a Jetta? And it's played like she's going to be mad. But then she loves it. And she's so happy and she's like, it's something I never would have bought for myself. And Michael's like, oh my gosh, yay, I did it. And I'm like, I love the way this storyline wrapped up. This is so great that she's like recognized the effort that Michael has put in to pick out a gift for her. And then, and then she says, So where is my gift? And she thought he just got her a new bumper for no reason on Christmas Day. And I'm like, Maria this is the present. Now, luckily, Isabel bought a pair of actual real pearl earrings and she left the gift. She left a stack of gifts at Michael's house because during her hustle and bustle of Christmas shopping. Oh, baby girl, your paw is so close to the escape button. Could you maybe not put it there? Okay, thank you. During her hustle and bustle of Christmas shopping, she ended up buying a pair of real pearl earrings, obviously hugely out of Michael's pay range mm-hmm. and she wrapped them up as like okay Michael just in case and it's what he gives to Maria and she loves them because they're very expensive and they're very fancy and I'm like Michael is not an expensive fancy gift boyfriend and it's unfair it's just not fair I was just mad at this and maybe it's because yeah. I'm sick and cranky but I was really mad
0: I mean I mean we did talk about like he is a emancipated minor who works at a cafe diner, I'm sure making minimum wage. And yeah, Maria is pretty dumb in this. Like usually I'm on team Maria, but she doesn't deserve someone as good as Michael. Like I said, I'm really sad that she didn't get a good arc in this episode. Like Mm -hmm. it's played off for laughs. Like, oh, so where's my real present? When I'm just like, he is so thoughtful and like, that's the best present he could have got you, you know? And I, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, but but Maria's kind of issue is that she has an idea of what things should be. This gives me very Anne Shirley vibes of like, here's some spoilers for Anne of Green Gables, Anne of Avonlea, like books, you know, three, four, and five, whatever. Anne has this idea of the perfect man and what she wants. And she has broken up with Gil And she's off at college and she has found the perfect man. And they date for like, I want to say like two years. And he is perfect and handsome and everything she ever wanted on paper. And he proposes to her and she realizes in that very second, that's not what she wants. What this romantic idea she has is not for her. And she has to turn him down. And he's kind of miffed about it because... They've been together for two years and it's expected that they will get married and blah, blah, blah. So I won't get it into all this, but those are the kind of vibes I'm getting from Maria where she's like, this is what everyone says romance is, is these huge sweeping grand gestures. When, yeah, you can have that in romance. Like that's, that's fine. And that's really wonderful when it happens. But the idea that it's in the small everyday things, like in season one, Michael like makes her a napkin holder for her class like like he does things that are important and that matter to her and I was disappointed in her arc in this where where she doesn't get that lesson and she doesn't learn that lesson that this is a huge grand sweeping gesture for Michael yeah
1: yeah yeah listen that that shop class plate holder paper towel thing that Mm -hmm. was great And I do not like season two, Maria. Where did her emotional intelligence go? Give it back. No. Give it back.
0: Well, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll get it back soon.
1: Because we're all good Christian aliens, everyone goes to Midnight Mass (laughs) where Isabel has conducted the choir. And I guess Isabel's just the mayor of the town when Christmas hits. (laughs) Right. Like, who put her in charge?
0: Like there's this one scene early on where she's where no one is like falling completely in line. Like people all think she's gone like way overboard because she's involved with like the hunger drive and she's involved with the kids pageant and she's involved with, you know, Mm stuff for the retirement and the dog Christmas show and like everything on her calendar and we're made to understand that this is a normal occurrence every year like this is just what she does so I don't know if she is like desperately trying to embrace her human side because okay far be it from me to t- tell someone you look like you're not enjoying this because some people thrive on stress some people thrive on challenges and maybe Isabel is just doing something that makes her happy even though she doesn't appear happy but um the idea that yeah she's involved in every single thing just kind of made me laugh.
1: So. Yep. Well, God bless us everyone. There uh Max gets bid farewell by his alien buddy. Um oh yeah, Max is are... ghost buddy. Yes. <laughs> his ghost buddy. Max is the alien, Megan. Max is the alien. So the ghost bids farewell to his alien buddy.
0: Okay. And
1: then we are Wow, I don't even know what's going to happen next. Emily, what's the title of the next episode? Oh,
0: sorry. One one thing that I really want to put in that we forgot. Michael is talking to Max after they come back from the hospital. And Max says, okay, my powers are finally starting to come back. And Michael mentions that he was actually really sad that he didn't get to help mm-hmm. at the hospital, that he didn't have those powers and he wasn't able to heal. Because so far what we've seen, all of... Max's powers are to protect and heal like Max has the 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 green shield. shield and everything and Michael's powers are all destructive and you know yeah anyways and maybe this is way too far and I should have talked about it last week but I wanted to point out that the dupes and our Roswell aliens have the same powers like Isabel we've seen her play DJ with with the CDs Lonnie did that in,
1: in However, you know, when they were in New York. What? Sorry, I did not point this out in our dupes episode, and it's very important that I do. Lonnie can shapeshift, even though Niseido said, girl, aliens can't shapeshift.
0: <gasps> there we go. See, my my theory was, if no one tells you you can't do it, you don't know you
1: can't do it. Yeah. So do it. Sato's dumb. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like Michael has destructive powers and that's what Wrath's powers were in everything. So we didn't really see Ava's powers at all. And I would have been interested to know like what she could do because Tess right now seems to be one of the most powerful out of the whole bunch with her, uh-huh. her.
1: It's a fireball. If anyone should be haunted by ghosts, it's Tess. She's got the biggest <laughs> body count of anybody in the, in the show. That's true. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, let's see. So this just says
0: up next is Roswell. Let me see what the... That's what mine um, said, and
1: I was like, I'm not going to click on it just in case. Maybe it's just called Roswell.
0: Okay, no, no, no. So this next episode, this will be Roswell season two, episode 11, to
1: serve and protect. Oh, that's the motto. That's the... Not the official motto, but that's what the police always say they're here to do. So maybe it'll probably be a sheriff-heavy episode. Okay. Uh, What do you think will happen?
0: Uh, I think the sheriff will die. All right. I will put that down. You think the sheriff will die? Uh, Why will he die? Or he will try to recruit one of our kids to be police officers. Okay. All right. Uh, Because he thinks they'd be good at it or because of their alien (laughs) powers?
1: Oh, you know what? No, I don't think you would want aliens on the fourth. I don't know.
0: <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to know. You're sick. You have COVID. Your brain is inflamed.
1: It's fine. Oh, well, listen. I came up with an incredible episode summaries today, and none of them came true. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> but um, I am very excited to watch the next one. I don't want to say what's going to happen because I want to experience this with you and I don't want to give anything away.
1: So Right, because you so very typically just summarize the upcoming episodes for me.
0: Listen, I just know sorry, something about COVID this episode. Me,
1: I'm sorry COVID's made me I know something
0: <laughs> about this episode. I know something. Oh, the geologist comes back. will either make you very happy or make you really upset. I actually don't know which side of the fence you're going to fall on, so...
1: I know, right? Because who, who would have imagined season one that I would hate Maria? Yeah, yeah. I not me, but we'll get yeah. there. We will get there. We will get to
0: watch the episode, and that's what we'll do next time. So until then, I gotta get back to writing my book. I gotta take a nap.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap. Take a nap right here. All right.
0: Bye, well, everyone. Megan, I believe in you. I believe in you too. Ready? Break. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in and listened to this Roswell. My sister made me view an episode The very special Christmas episode with ghosts in it. It was fun to watch and fun to talk about. And so Megan and I actually have a couple other um, podcast feeds where we kind of do the same thing where one sister has read or watched something that the other has not. And so next Thursday, if you tune in on Thursday, October 13th, we are putting out our next Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson, where Megan is the expert on all things Cosmere related. And I am the noob. And we have a really good time doing that. Uh, And then tune in on October 20th for our next Roswell episode. And we also have a miscellaneous feed. So far, we've only covered one other uh, project, I guess, but it's Our Flag Means Death. And we are gearing up to do a book called One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. I'm really excited about that. That's my pick. Megan has not read it yet. A uh, very special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song A Passing Storm. We actually use it on all of our podcast feeds cuz we love it and it's amazing. Again, thank you to everyone who has come and listened and a special thanks to all of you who have rated and reviewed us. It means so much to us and We would just ask if you enjoyed today's episode or if you enjoy any of the Way of Kings episodes that we would ask you to just go leave a little review. You don't have to leave a, no, other way around, leave a rating. You don't have to leave a review if you don't want to. I know that can be a lot of work, but really, if you enjoyed this, we would love to know about it. And with that, we're going to take our leave until next week. Uh, And just remember, we believe in you.